Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the Summoner's Call. Presented by the Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie? Not too bad. That's good. I know it's been two weeks since we last spoke, uh, but it feels like it's been longer. I think it's because I had uh, quite the busy weekend, but I'm excited to cap off a fabricated long weekend with this here recording of Summoner's Call because we have a fun uh, special discussion bookmarked for Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE uh, Encore for everyone uh, at the end of the show. As promised, we're getting to it. Uh, No more delays. It was tempting to push it one more episode, but I was like, no, I'm going to push myself. We're going to talk about it this week. And it'll be a good warm-up for our big discussion in November when we talk about the story. So we're going to talk about gameplay today. So, Eddie, are you excited to get this ball rolling? Sure. All right. Well, as always, we'll start with the banners. Uh, we have the weekly revival of banner 24 and 60 running right now. Heroes with Luna going until the 26th. The Land's Bounty, which is a four-star special hero revival banner, goes until the 28th. Trick or Defeat, another four-star special hero revival banner, goes until the 30th. Divine Harvest goes until the 5th. Double Special Heroes goes until the 6th. And Rearmed Robin and more goes until the 7th. Um, nothing to report here in terms of summoning. Nothing, nothing, uh, nothing to report here from me, I should say. That's what I was going. That's the words I was looking for. But Eddie, you've uh, obviously done some summoning on this new hero banner that we just got this week. Yep, uh, we got the Rearmed Robin and Ascended Air Banner. I was going after uh, both of them, mainly, and did manage to get a few of both of them. I uh, ended up sparking for air uh, and went a bit longer to try and get Gregor. Uh, But I I was continuing to pull at both Robin and air for boons, or spare arcane dragonstones on the Robin side of things. Ended up uh, calling it. Um, on Gregor, so he'll probably wait for another day. Uh, but I did get a four-star Phyla, Phyla, along the way. So I got three of the four, and I did also get a three-star Rickon somewhere in there, or three or four-star. So Nice. Everyone but Gregor. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully hopefully he'll arrive at some point in the near future for you. Um, are yeah. you going to keep summoning, or are you going to uh, just pass uh, for now? Not that worried about him. I was just trying to get him and hoping to get a spare air or and or robin. So once I got those spare airs and robins, I was like, "Yep, okay, sorry, Gregor, your time's up. You'll wait." <laughs> so wow. it's all good. Uh, so what do we got coming up? I know um, we're, we've got a bit of a gap in the calendar as we, uh, yeah, yep, gonna try and trim things down, but. Um, most of it's normal stuff like, you know, summoner duels, voting gauntlet on the second, uh, some, you know, the rotating skills banners. Uh, but the big, big things to note is uh, Happy and Constant are getting, Constance are getting a, bound hero, a new Bound Hero battle. That's starting up on the 26th. Uh, we will have a new set of Lance quests coming on the 30th. Uh, and, of course, we have our next Mythic Hero on the 31st. And right before... Right on the day we're recording next, we will have our next set of uh, special heroes coming in on the 7th, along with a Tempest Trial and all the stuff that comes with it. Very good. Uh, Exciting times. 
So yeah, we've got a we've, we'll have a we'll have lots to talk about on our next episode. But uh, we do have new heroes to talk about tonight because uh, we have the rearmed Robin and more banner to go over. Yep, as shown in the Tempest trial, Senator has arrived, and joining her is a new rearmed hero, Grima. I, I mean Robin. Joining with her on this awakening banner is Gregor, Phyla, or Phila, an NPC in Awakening who dies trying to save Emran, if you can't recall who she was. And Rickon as a three and four star hero, straight into the three to four star pool. And on the GH Grand Hero Battle is the mustache known as Cervantes, and with him comes with the man he wears in his suit of armor. Yeah, so we got a, a good uh, good chunk of awakening heroes and some and you know not I wouldn't say random ascended air because obviously she uh, she arrived as you said in the Tempest Trials. I mean, the moment we had the um, uh, Tempest Trials series focused on air, we knew we were going to get, or it was ninety percent likelihood we were going to get ascended air. Mm-hmm. And we thought that that um, leaf from last month was going to be ascended, but no, nope, no. Nope. That was a new type of hero. Yeah. Yep. They uh, they threw a they threw us off the trail there a little bit by by not making air a uh, ascended hero this time. Uh, well, no, of... they made air ascended hero. They didn't make. Oh, right, right, right. I meant hero. to say rearmed. Uh, they kind of like with Lyft being a rearmed hero. It's like okay, so maybe they're gonna do rearmed heroes, but then they gave Robin uh, the rearmed treatment, which yeah. For for some reason, it felt to me like air was always planned for ascended, even with the leaf twist. I was always expecting air to end up being ascended, but you're right; she could have ended up being a, a rearmed hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely prefer her, prefer her being ascended because that puts her in the normal pool. Yes, that's true. The rearmed is still uh, so far appearing once, and we don't know when they'll be back. That that is the case, right? Yep. Uh, Rearmed heroes do not come into the normal pool after they their original banner. So unless we either get some special summoning pool or they're on the focus of a banner, they you know, or they're mentioned that they're going to be in the pool for that banner. They're not going to be in the banner. And I haven't double checked, but I'm pretty sure that rearmed leaf is not here in this banner, despite yeah. rearmed Rima being here. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, well, you know what? Uh, let's kick off with the rearmed hero uh, w- for this banner, which is Robin Fell Tactician. Robin is the keen minded tactician who's always been at the side of Krom, the Prince of Elise. But it turns out that the Robin, uh, that this Robin is a vessel for the soul of the Fell Dragon Grima, and she's been imbued with his ancient evil. Robin is a colorless dragon armor rearmed hero wielding arcane Grima which accelerates special uh, trigger, cooldown count minus one. At start of combat, if unit's HP is greater than or equal to 25%, grants attack slash speed slash defense slash resistance plus five to unit during combat. Unit makes a guaranteed follow-up attack, deals damage equal to 15% of unit's attack, including when dealing damage with a special triggered before combat, and restores seven HP to unit after combat. She has two new skills, the first being in the A slot called Dragonhide, which neutralizes effective against armored bonuses. If foe initiates combat or foe's HP is greater than or equal to 75% at start of combat, inflicts attack slash speed slash defense slash resistance minus eight on foe and grants special cooldown charge plus one to unit during or per attack during combat. 
Only the highest value is applied and does not stack. Her second new skill is in the C slot called A slash S near save 3. If a foe uses sword, lance, axe, dragonstone, or beast damage and initiates combat against an ally within two spaces of unit, triggers savior on unit. Uh, if unit triggers savior uh, grants attack slash speed plus four during combat. Rounding out her kit is uh, Pavis, uh, Pavis as a special and Hardy Fighter 3 in the B slot. So uh, our rearmed hero, quite quite the kit here with a lot going on, including yep. savior, which is always nice to see. I think that's one of the best new skills that have been added to the game it's always a fun one when you have a real tanky hero seems like robin yep. can take a hit here so oh, yeah In- interesting choice name for her weapon then again ascended airs is sim- kind of similar but arcane grima so grima is the weapon yep apparently Just bringing grima in man <laughs> no harm done there i guess uh yeah it's uh it's it's quite the it's quite the uh, the weapon too. I think like it has a lot going for it. You know, it's it's gonna incre- it's gonna restore HP, which is always a nice touch as well. Especially combined with uh, with Savior, if if you're getting hit a lot, then you're also restoring HP a lot. Um, or is yeah. it only? Well, I I don't know if it's only when when you initiate combat, but yeah. And uh, this is definitely evil Robin. And I was trying to think like we've already got. We don't have a, a, a an evil female Robin, or do we? I feel like we do. We do. The original legendary Robin was evil, but that was and male. Then the Halloween Robin was evil. Oh, okay. No, the legendary Robin was female, and then we got on the Fallen Banner male Grima. Right. And then the Halloween ones were both uh, Grimas. I mean, heck, I almost want to look, and I think we might have more evil Robins than regular Robins. Yeah, I'm looking at. I'm just pulling up Halloween Robin. Yeah, Halloween Robin is definitely Grima Robin, but has the sort of. Can't remember if it's like a wolf outfit. Maybe looks to be an even split on Robins both sides. We got three normal Robins with the um, Day of Devotion version of Robin, and then three evil Robins with this female-wise male. Uh, we I can see clearly two normal Robins and two evil Robins. Halloween and Fallen Robin uh, for the male version, but I think Robin's a, yeah, there's a normal Robin as a duo with Krom, so technically if you count that Robin in there too, we have one more regular Robin than Evil Robin. Right. And yeah, Summer Robin was a, is in there. Can't think of anywhere that Robin's a duo, but she might be a duo somewhere, but we're, we're an even split on good and evil Robins. Yeah, well they so, gotta keep it balanced, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Not sure they really need to. I wouldn't mind some more normal Robins, but hey. That's true. I agree. Although I, I guess for the fact that they wanted this to be a arcane dragonstone, and I don't know if it's limited to colorless dragons only or not, but Robin is an arcane dragonstone. I guess they got to go green because regular Robin is not considered dragon. So Yeah, would be a tome user at that point, right? Tome or sword, because Robin uses both equally well, or any weapon, really, in Awakening. Right. Good so, point. Yes. Uh, joining Robin on the banner is Gregor, Swell Sword, a mercenary who is met in the game protecting Naui, or Noe. Uh, Gregor finally joins heroes in this banner as a Red Sword Infantry unit. He wields the Blade of Favors, which boosts his special. At the start of each phase, uh, both 
enemy in ally phase. If any enemies are within three rows or three columns centered on him, it debuffs those foes by six to attack speed and defense through their next action and grants him plus six to attack speed and defense for one turn. Plus, if he initiates combat or is within two spaces of an ally, it inflicts a stacking debuff of five plus any current penalty on a foe's attack speed and defense during combat. And reduces damage from their first attack by 40%. Uh, the stats are calculated each independently as usual. Uh, so essentially, if they have a 7, it adds an additional 12 to give them a total of a negative 19 on, their stat, on that stat. Uh, he has a new Tier 4 skill called Solid Ground, which grants him attack in defense plus 7. Uh, but in return for that, it inflicts him with resistance minus 5. Yeah, so it's infantry, no follow up, and bonfire. Yeah, uh, it, it's so. funny. I'm surprised that the game hasn't added him, considering he's a red sword infantry unit. We don't have enough of those, right? Yeah, I know. It's oh so short on those, <laughs> which might be why it took so long for him to get here. Because you know, they just couldn't figure out which of his side classes, if he any of them are non sword users, to use. So they. Just needed to wait to find some time to squeeze in, squeeze him in there. Yeah. Well, I'll say this: like he's, uh, it's definitely nice to see him in the game, and and the fact that we just played through Awakening. Um, he he does have a, he he like he he has a very like specific character to him, like a very a very interesting and kind of funny personality as he's uh, interacting with other characters and such. So like, it's nice to see him in the game. I mean. I'm surprised it. I'm surprised it took this long because I feel like he's a bit of a fan favorite too, right? Yeah, I mean he's not one I played a lot, but he was one I did like his character of. So yeah, for sure. Well, uh, another uh, side character for Awakening here is uh, Phila, Pegasus Master. Phila is the leader of Elise's Pegasus Knights. Uh, she looks out for the knights in her care and is serious about her duties, setting an example for others to follow. She is the four-star hero on the banner and is a blue lance flyer unit wielding rain lance plus, which inflicts speed slash defense minus five on foes within two spaces during combat. She has no new skills, but rounding out her kit is iceberg as a special, brazen attack slash resistance three in the A slot, and Pegasus flight three in the B slot. Um, so yeah, like, you know, four-star hero, not a, you know, not a kit to write home about. Um, Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I, I called her a side character. You don't actually recruit her in the game. She shows up, and as you said, she dies. Non-playable character in the game. Uh, she's leader of the Pegasus Knights. Uh, Cordelia is technically the only one part of it, which you kind of see a bit of in the... Um, uh, Forging Bonds? Forging Bonds. Uh, Cordelia and Sumia chatting with her, and Sumia never having officially joined the Pegasus Knights. Uh, but... Yep, she, um, I think, if I recall correctly, she was uh, part of the plan to rescue Emran when she was in Plegia, but they suddenly produced a bunch of risen archers that took her and the other Pegasus knights to sneak around back down. So, And she actually even references that in the um, uh, Forging Bond. She comments the last thing she remembers is seeing uh, risen arrows flying at her when she got summoned. Hmm. So. So this was her grabbed from right before she gets killed. Really interesting, huh? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm behind on my forging bonds this time around because I'm 
unfortunately out of Faye Pass right now. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been a I haven't really been doing a lot of the repeating content, but it is it is interesting when they have those conversations. We've seen this before in the Forging Bonds, where characters will be like, "Do we tell them about their fate?" Like, because we obviously mm-hmm. survived or outlived them, and uh, this yep. isn't the first time we've had that conversation in game. Um, but yeah, yeah. Although this one, uh, she takes the choice away because, like, Cordelia and Sumi are wondering whether Italian. Uh, Philo's already talked to Crom and Lissa about it, so she already knows and knows that Cordelia and Sumia stepped up after she died. So, yeah. But, well, the, uh, well, it, if not for Rearmed Robin, the focus of this banner uh, is Air, Life Ascendant. Uh, she, as seen in the Tempest Trial, we have Ascended Air joining as a Green Dagger Cavalry unit. She wields Ymir Ever Living, which boosts her special. If she initiates combat or foes range equals two, she gets plus five to the four combat stats and a bonus to attack equal to 40% of the current HP of the ally with the second lowest hit point HP, excluding air, max of 20. And if there's only one or if there's one or fewer allies alive, it does not give anything. Neutralizes effects that prevent her follow up attacks and has a miracle effect on top of that. Where if she has more than one hit point, she survives a lethal blow uh, with one hit point. And of course, as a dagger unit, she does have the dagger seven effect. Uh, she has a new tier four skill called Mystic Boost Four, which inflicts attack minus five on foe during combat, disables foe's skills that use the lower defense stats, and calculates staff damage like normal weapons. If the foe is a staff, and if the foe is a staff unit. It disables skills that prevent counterattack, as well as this this, um, skill restoring 10 hit points after combat, or during combat. Uh, She gets... I may have miswritten that when it came up. I believe it's after combat that she gets the health. Uh, Yes, she gets the health after combat. Um, She has no other new skills, but does come with Draconic Aura as a special, and Tier 4 attack speed catch... In a in sparkling boost to finish out her skills. So we have Air here, who was a right pain in the butt, but that's in God of War. So <laughs> yeah. So the idea here is that uh, Amir has is it Amir the the goddess of life. Yes. Um, the storyline of the Tempest Trials is that uh, in the first one, Ganglot shows up, takes Air's final life, kills her. And Amir sacrificed herself to save Air while giving her the ascended powers. You know, and Air for a while hesitates to use them, but in order to stop, you know, uh, the rearmed Leaf, who is, you know, since Ganglot is in charge of the dead, is coming after her because uh, he cannot disobey, um, she activates her ascended powers and promises to. Uh, Leaf to stop Ganglot, free him from Ganglot. Right. So yeah, it's uh like and and again like it's in terms of the design, it really feels like it does rightfully so pull a lot of inspiration from Amir, who we did, who we did get as a I believe a mythic hero. Yep, yep. and technically, as the design air technically should have had because Hell kidnapped her from. The realm that Amir came from. 
So I'm trying to find a mirror. I think maybe she was a legendary hero. Unless it's just not uh no, she was just a normal hero, just like um uh Niffle and Musepell were. She should just be in the normal pool. Oh, okay. Well, um yeah. I'll say this, it's uh again, it's a really cool design. It's interesting, as you said, like she comes from the land of life or uh Amir is Amir the is the princess of life, right? It's hard to So Life Ascendant. Amir that was the weird thing about Amir. Hell or Air is the daughter of the rulers of the land of life. And it felt like Amir was their servant, but maybe she she's also a dragon unit, so maybe she was their ruler who the country was or you know, country was named after. It it was hard to understand there. That was confusing about her. Well, um, yeah, it's it is cool to see uh, this ascended version of Air. I really liked Air as as a character when she was introduced in in book three. So it's nice to see her get um, another another uh, another shot at more story, yes. similar to. Um, yeah, I found a mirror and pulled her up in her intro. When you summon her, she's the dragon of life. Okay, so she's like a goddess then. But. Yeah, that that was what confused me because when she was talking to Air in the first Tempest trial, she talked like she was a servant of. So I guess as the Dragon of Life, she views herself more as a servant to the people of her realm than ruler of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I'm not too sure. It's hard to say. Like, I mean, obviously there's there's some details that aren't or aren't being shared right yep. now because you know it's 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 a it's a it's a new story, but it's such a small part of like a mode that's being trickled out. Um, so we don't get a lot of that backstory. We haven't even been to the realm of life. Is there a realm of life, or did it, did it all get destroyed? I think it all got destroyed, right? That was the idea. Uh more or less. It's hard yeah. hard to figure for exactly how it worked, but yeah, hmm. like all the lives that were in side of air that. Um, Hell was killing off one at a time were the lives of the people of the realm of life is what I understood from Amir's explanation. Yeah. So. Not fun stuff for the realm of life. So we'll, we'll definitely see how uh, the story with Ganglot and crew continue in the coming weeks. Um, I think we're halfway through. They said there's going to be six and we just finished three. Is that my, is my memory serving me? Right? I don't recall if they ever gave a specific number. Okay. Well, and I don't think they gave a specific number last time, but I do believe it did run for six last time. Right. So. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, some heroes that aren't on the banner but are connected. We've got first up Rickon, Shepherd Novice. Rickon is a mage uh, with the Shepherds, the group of volunteers led by Krom, who protect the peace in Elise. He looks up to Krom like an older brother, but hates being treated like a kid. Rickon can be summoned as a new three or four star hero and is a green tome infantry hero wielding Gron Rabbit Plus. During unit's first combat in player phase or enemy phase, grants attack slash resistance plus five to unit and restores seven HP to unit after combat. He has no new skills, but rounding out his kit is Luna as a special, attack slash speed form three in the A slot, and spur attack two in the C slot. Um... This is one of the the child units you get that is not from the future. Pretty early in the game, from what I can recall, Rickon uh, appearing. But yeah. 
Yeah, um, I mean, he's, uh, sorry, brain fart. He's, he says he's old enough. He's one of those ones who looks like a children, but is, tech, I guess, is like 18 or whatever. Kind oh. of similar to Lissa or whatever. He, he keeps arguing that he's not a child, so I'm guessing he's at least 18 or maybe 15, 16, depending on how that world views it, you know. Uh, but, yeah, he's the, you know, child-looking, standard child-looking, like Scythia prototype from Awakening, you know. Looks like a, is a magical uh, prodigy. Um, his forging bonds has him chatting with uh, Merrick, which is another one of that, I guess the original of that prototype, young mage genius type character. So. Mm-hmm. We also have the Grand Hero Battle Unit for this banner yes. as well. Cervantes, Invincible General. The glorious mustache makes its appearance in Faye, finally complete uh, with the rest of the hard of hearing general to Walhart. Wal- uh, Cervantes joins as a, in the Grand Hero Battle as a Blue Lance Armored Unit. He wields the Fire's Lance, which uh, at the start of combat, if his foe is 75% or more hit health, uh, he gets defense plus 5 and inflicts defense minus 5 on foe during combat. Also, if foe has a bonus, it grants him a bonus to his defense and inflicts a penalty on foe's defense equal to the current bonus on the, his foe's defense. No new skills as a Grand Hero Battle Unit, but he does come with Ignis, Attack, Defense, Ideal, and Wary Fighter. So Yeah, I was going to say, um, obviously fantastic facial hair uh and not even uh, a scratch on it in his damage art his armor looks like it's disintegrating but um nothing wrong with that mustache or or beard and i think it'd be like picture if you haven't seen cervantes like picture robotnik dr robotnik but with an equally majestic matching beard to his to his mustache so yep that's pretty much i mean him it's it's easy to say equally majestic because it looks like the exact same, uh, just the mustache redrawn a little smaller, a little lower. Yeah, it's got the same. It's got the same flare <laughs> out on the must the beard as the mustache. But yeah, from what I remember of him in yeah in Awakening, he's always talking about his glorious whiskers and um, can't hear what you're saying at all. He always misunderstands what you're saying constantly. Yeah, maybe he needs to trim the ears a little bit. <laughs> yeah, give as much attention in there as he does to uh, to his mustache. But um, yeah, it's good to see him added to the game as well. I feel like in terms of the uh, boss units in Awakening, he was probably the most interesting, um, or at least had the most personality to him. That wasn't just classic evil Fire Emblem character. Yes. So I mean. To be honest, uh, the more interesting part of the other uh, Exilus or whatever was more Walhart's reaction to him than him himself. You know, hmm. the evil, conniving, scheming worm of a character, and just the way Walhart was like, "You are worthless." <laughs> you know, you should be a you know a fi- you should be happy to be out in the front like Cervantes is, <laughs> H- hiding in the back and doing your little schemes is pathetic is how Walhart viewed it, so. Yeah, but Walhart wasn't really a fan of anyone, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, Walhart was of a mindset of might over everything, and 
you prove your might by being out on the front doing the fighting yourself. Mm. So, you know, Exilus's version of might of casting, you know, weaving schemes, manipulating people is, you know, Walhart would rather just walk up to them if they don't agree with them, beat them until they agree or until they die. And he had the strength to do that for the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. did pull it up and verify they don't, at least I haven't found a specific end amount, but they did confirm there is at least one more of version episode five coming next month. But it doesn't say five of six or anything like that. Oh, is this four? Yes. This okay. is Life and Death four. And the next one is Life and Death five. So we have one, maybe two more. Well, we will look forward to that, and we'll definitely uh, be covering it here when it pops up, so look forward to that. But uh, that is going to do it for our Fire Emblem Heroes portion of the show, but uh, we do have some more content for you as we head into the Outrealm Gate. And uh, before we get to our special discussions, uh, Eddie is going to kick things off with some Fire Emblem Engage updates that we've been getting via Twitter. Uh, yes, since the last episode, Twitter has given us details on Celica and Louis, uh, character-wise. Uh, but the most recent Twitter update informs about the rec- Weapon Triangle returning. Uh, sword, Ansel- sword Axe and Lance is normal as usual. Their brawling, or body arts as it's called in Engage, uh, seems to have advantage over the ranged weapons, bows, daggers, tomes. And the ranged weapons don't seem to have advantage over anything. I guess the range is their advantage. Uh, weapon types seem to key seem to be key to the break mechanic that has been glimpsed previously, uh, which uh, seems to be used to prevent counterattacks during the next combat. Not the one they're in, but the next one. So if you have the advantage, you either guarantee or have a better chance of breaking the enemy. So I don't know if it's just a straight more damage. You just have a good chance of preventing them from countering attack, counterattacking later on. Right. So uh, did the break did break exist previously in Fire Emblem? Like I'm trying to remember if it um, it might have been like a skill maybe, but now it seems to be like a like a part of combat. I mean, there were the breaker abilities in there that essentially brought in the brought back the um, weapon triangle in three houses, uh, but. Yeah, I don't recall. And daggers technically have not been confirmed. It's hard to say for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I personally haven't really been paying a whole lot of attention to... I have seen that the North American Nintendo Twitter seems to be pumping out some more Fire Emblem Gage content. Very basic stuff like character introductions and more just like pointing out stuff that we were able to... um, sort of guesstimate ourselves through the trailers. Uh, a lot of this information comes from the Fire Emblem Japanese Twitter, right? Is is that the case? Yes, this is on the Japanese Twitter, and Serene's Forest is breaking down the translations for us. Uh, it's the official Fire Emblem Twitter, so... Yeah. Oh, it's official info, for sure. It's They don't have an English version of the official Fire Emblem Twitter. Faye has an official fi- English version, but Fire Emblem... Uh, Overall, does not. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can't see if uh, Streams Forest confirms whether or not break has happened previously. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a really it's. I'm really looking forward to playing the game. And honestly, I was saying, Daddy, pre-show, like I haven't really been paying a lot of attention to the 
the drip feed of content that's oh, been coming out? I haven't been paying a ton of attention to the drip feed because it's coming out in Japanese, not English. True. <laughs> as I was doing the notes earlier today, I ran over to Serene's Forest to see what info they had pulled up. And we mentioned Celine last time, and she was the last one from last episode. Uh, even though uh, Serene's Forest didn't have the data on her, someone in Discord had let us know about that one. But I looked at what had shown up since Celine, and that's what I had seen. So... Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to a new trailer. Hopefully we get one soon. I think we're due up for one in November uh, at some point. Something, something. To be honest, it might not be till early December. But even then, I'm iffy on that. Because, I mean, the most logical place to put it would be at the Game Awards. But I'm not sure if I Emblem warrants enough to get a Game Awards trailer. But maybe. Yeah. It's hard to say. Um, yep. it's hard to say, but we'll see. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it and we'll let everybody know. Um, but, uh, before we close out the show, let's talk about Tokyo Mirage sessions, sharp FE as part of our special discussions. And just as a recap to remind everybody how we got to this point, um, as part of extra life 2021, which, uh, is a charity event that we do every year as part of the gamers in community of which summoners call is a part of. Um, we raise funds for Children's Miracle Network hospitals around the world. And we are, of course, doing that again this year. If you want to go check out our team, bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2022. Um, if you donate, 100% of your donation goes to the hospital of uh, the player's choice. So uh, I myself am playing for Sick Kids Foundation out of Toronto. Uh, but we have other folks on the team who are playing for other hospitals um, in uh, North America, but, uh, yeah, definitely go to bit.ly slash TGI extra life 2022. We'll have links in the show notes. Check that out. We have a bunch of fun streaming planned coming up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's a great cause. Um, but as I said, last year we ran a donation bonus to do a game club for Tokyo Mirage sessions, sharp FE. Um, and, uh, while we didn't hit the goal, we were looking for $200 in the name of summoners call. We didn't, we got very close so we decided to do a few special discussions for the game just to kind of, um, well, you know, so we could revisit uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE because, uh, you know, Eddie played a good chunk of it. Um, I I had not played it at launch, both on the Wii U and the Switch. But, uh, Eddie, you got pretty far. You got pretty much to the end, the last chapter, you said? I Yeah, I think I'm in the last dungeon or working my way through the last dungeon, but I have yeah. not actually beat it yet. Yeah, and to give everyone an idea uh, of where I'm at, so I haven't finished it, but uh, we did want to get this. Uh, this is going to be a gameplay discussion, but to give you an idea of where I am, I I guess you could consider it the second dungeon, but it's like the first main dungeon. I feel like the first the first dungeon you do is more of a tutorial slash um, now, recruiting. Are you counting the point when you meet and um, get Krom, or are you counting... The first dungeon after that is this dungeon you're talking about. Uh, I don't know. I like it's been a while since I played the prologue, but this is chapter one that I'm in right now. So okay, I'm very so, early. Yes, you're, count, you're counting the one where you meet in Get Chrome as the first dungeon. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll we'll talk about gameplay in just a little bit. But I did want to give a little bit of history of the game. Um, originally released in Japan on the Wii U in December of 2015. The game later arrived in North America, Europe, and Australia in June 2016. It kept its Japanese uh, voiceovers, 
but um, all the UI and uh, subtitles were translated or sorry, localized. Um, and that includes uh, the character's dialogue, um, the UI and menus, but also um, a lot of the signage and um, storefronts that you see uh, are translated. Not all of them, but like I did notice I was in the, the first major dungeon and they had, I mean, I don't know what it was in in the Japanese version, but they had they had uh, English text on some of the items in the dungeon. So I'm not sure if that is actually a change or a translation or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Because you know, I've been playing some of the Yakuza Zero on my Xbox Game Pass and all, and I'm pretty sure there are random English words thrown up around in there as well which I think might just be something that's goes on over there. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. I've never been to Japan, so I don't know for sure. Yeah, that that's so. true. Um, I'm not, I'm not really, yeah, I'm not sure. I, again, I, I, and I, you know, we could, I could have looked at some of the Japanese trailers. You're right. Some of that. And again, like it's a, there's, um, there is still, uh, a lot of, you know, Japanese text in the game, um, yep. just in terms of like the level designs and stuff. Um, but there's even like voice, so they, they don't subtitle everything. They only localize the, the spoken word dialogue portions. There are some moments in combat where your character will, will speak in Japanese and there's no translation for it, um, Mm -hmm. displayed on, on, on the screen. So that's the only moment where I see that the, and it makes sense because like, uh, it's such a, like a quick one-liner. I mean, it'd be nice to know what they're saying, but yeah. Yeah. It would. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I mean, the UI is very busy. Um, yeah, you don't need to, you don't absolutely have to know exactly what they're saying. It just would be nice. Yeah. But yeah. they decided not to do that. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, when this game, so even going back a little further, uh, the partnership between the Atlas team or the team behind, Pers- uh, not Persona, but uh, Shin Megami Tensei, uh, they announced a collaboration between uh, Shimagami Tensei and Fire Emblem. I think it was even called Fire Emblem Cross Shimagami Tensei when it was announced. And if you look at that original trailer that was from a direct, uh, probably a few years before the release in 2015, it, it looked more like a Fire Emblem game, like a very traditional Fire Emblem game that was going to be built for the Wii U, sort of a... Uh, continuation of the look and feel that you got with uh, the Tellius series on GameCube and Wii. Um, but when it was sort of brought back and re-revealed to everyone, it was a very different game and and leaned more into, um, like, you know, the Persona and Shin Megami Tensei games with sort of a, still some Fire Emblem feel for sure, but... My understanding, that's where they got the name Tokyo Mirage Sessions from. And I think they worked into the game because I believe Prom and others are called Mirages in the game. But, yes. Yeah. TMS, which is Shin Megami Tensei SMT backwards. Oh, <laughs> I just I just glued into that. Yes, it is for sure. Yep. Um, then Sharp yeah. FE for Fire Emblem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like it's it's got a really interesting history. This game, and and I think if you think back to the Wii era. And be and before that, from Nintendo, localizing a game like this would have been unheard of. They just wouldn't wouldn't have done it. 
Um, and Nintendo's gotten much, much better. It's become more of a uh, looks. It, it it looks at you know the games that it's building in house, and it and it pushes to have those available worldwide. And I think that's been fans in you know getting enough sales in the other countries that they've been pushing. They've been willing to do that more often. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you see that with this re-release that we got in January 2020 where the game was re-released on Nintendo Switch um, with a worldwide release. Uh, it has the Encore uh, title sort of tagged on, um, and this release had uh, new story content and additional party members along with new music. Now, I, I will note the additional party members is not actual completely new playable party members. Um, it's something that adds on to one of the key features of the game, which we'll probably go over here in a few minutes. Yeah. So, you know, with a with that overview out of the way, um, like I said, we wanted to talk about gameplay. And really, that was an opportunity for us to sort of lean in and, and start to get back into, you know, Tokyo Mirage Sessions and save like the bulk of the story for our next episode, which we're aiming for uh, or our next discussion, which we're aiming for the episode uh, week of November 21st. But in my experience, and Eddie, I'm going to be Look, I'm not I'm going to throw it out there right right off the bat like by no means is this going to be, you know, a perfect recap of the gameplay for this game. Like it's it's going to be an overview. It's going to be a first impressions esque type conversation. Um as I said, I'm only in chapter 1, but uh it's sort of split up into in in what I would categorize as like four different uh sections. You've got the overworld sections where you're in direct control of the character in the real world, interacting with characters and walking around uh, different, you know, uh, locales in Tokyo. Um, and you can kind of travel in between the t- two of them, or sorry, the various locations. Um, you've got dialogue sections, which are essentially the story, the visual novel side of it, where you are, you know, uh, listening to VO, watching actions play through and just pr- basically progressing uh, the story. Um, you've got, uh, cutscenes, obviously, but, uh, from the most part, these cutscenes seem to be just the, the idle music. So there's a concert, uh, partway through chapter one. And, uh, is that where the new music comes into play? Possibly. I, that might, I think it just might be background music, but I don't know for sure. Cause I never played the original, so I don't know what the music was there. You know, one one of the ways I've heard this game described is kind of as a Persona Five Light, which is kind of fitting. You got a similar gameplay, but you don't have the time crunch that Persona Five gave you. Uh, but you run around in an outer world. You have the dungeons that you go into to fight the monsters that are behind the scenes, showing what goes on. But while you're in the overworld, you do stuff to progress the storyline, get ready for the big showdown. You just have a time limit there, in that one, you know. And this one focuses more on, um, you know, uh, dipping a bit into the story. Uh, the All the playable characters are part of a talent agency doing various entertainment industry things. So that's where the idol music, so anyone who has a mirage attached to them becomes a agent or a talent at this agency. And... Um, you know, the main character, Itsuki, who's attached to Krom, kind of does all kinds of odd jobs, but Tsubasa uh, wants to become an uh, idol singer. Uh, his friend, 
can't for, can't remember the friend's name who has Keen attached to him. Is a actor has bit part. Um, Kyria is an uh, already famous idol. Uh, Eleonora is, uh, I believe, another actor and also idol. I think she sings as well. Uh, Mamori is a young idol and young actor actress. I think she does a kids show and wants to branch into doing idol stuff. So yeah, yeah. The the story is. Uh... It's very different from anything I've ever uh, played, but like you said, they really lean into the sort of idol scene. And I, 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 for one, I don't know a whole lot about it, but it is really interesting to sort of uh, explore that. And and you you do you did say it's kind of a Persona light, and I do really remember playing um, even early on with Persona Five. Like you do get that vibe, uh, both in the stylish combat. But also just in the way the game is structured, you know, with the with the um, the visual novel side of it and stuff. Yep, the idolospheres are similar to the castles in Persona. Yes, you know, each one has a certain person who's been taken over by an evil mirage, who is bending and twisting things and kidnapping people. Like Subasa's backstory, I believe, was that her parents were. Uh, actors in a theater show and everyone but her in that theater in that theater vanished kidnapped by whatever mirage was attacking it or something like that yeah yeah it's uh i again like it's it's hard to you know recall a lot of the story beats but i think you're right like in terms of the dun- like the dungeons the I- idols idols fears are are very similar to the castles from persona yeah. 5 and um yeah, like I mean, speaking of the dungeon sections, that's kind of the fourth section of the gameplay that that at least I discovered. And and again, like I'm I might be missing one uh, here, but don't know if you've gotten there yet. But another, this is more combat focused. If you want to wait to discuss that, but there is kind of another part of the um, home base that is involved. I don't know how early it gets introduced, but. Right. Is that where Tiki is? Is that what you're talking yes. about? Yeah. Yes. Tiki has her own little idolosphere or little area. So. Yeah, she does. But I think it's more for like, it's like skill upgrades or something. Or So the combat loop, um, the Fire Emblem characters, the Mirages can transform into your weapons. I believe they call it Carnage Form. They become your sword. And each version of that sword has a set of skills. Uh, you have a limited number of skills you can attach. I think you can grow it to a certain degree over the course of the game. And as you progress, you can unlock the ability to craft new weapon designs and therefore get new sets of skills and stronger versions of the skills. Or if you, um, once you successfully master a weapon, you can have Tiki do something to it to increase its strength or boost it, and then you can relearn the skills and get plus one versions of the various skills. So that's how that part of it works, and that's part of what Tiki does. You may not have gotten fully unlocked all her abilities. Yeah, I do I do have the area unlocked. I did get... Uh, so another part of the gameplay is there's this like uh, whole texting system so I was in a dungeon and yes. Tiki sent me a text and was like, hey, uh, the Unity is ready for one of your uh, artist's weapons. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Tiki. <laughs> yeah, that's what they call it. They call it a Unity. And that's when you create a new version. Like, you know, 
you start with an iron sword and then you can you know once you get the right as you defeat enemies you get like you get performance ratings uh like one star two star three star i think it's more difficulty of the enemies you fought than actual how well you did in your battle um then you also get um uh whatchamacallit had a brain fart there I get performance ratings, and then you get, like, souls of the enemies or something like that when you defeat them, or bits of the enemies. And you can combine those into new weapon types. Or maybe that's for new skills. I don't remember. It's been a bit to get all the details. But you can also improve your character skills through stuff like that as well. Yeah. But you combine them into new weapon types, and that's how you, you know, once you've mastered a skill set, you switch to that, you know, you switch your Mirage into that uh, weapon type, and then you get a new set of skills to learn, and also they are usually stronger, depending on how many times you've reset them in some degree. But Yeah, and um, I, I mean, I haven't dove a lot into sort of the min-maxing and the skill equips. Like, I'm, I am unlocking skills as I level up and stuff, but there's some stuff where you level up your, um, your stage level. So there's like a stage yes. level, and I think that gives you... Um, it gives you performas, which I think are special. You have to build up a meter. There's like combat. There's a lot, there's a lot to combat. And I mean, before, before we get to combat, I did want to touch a bit on like the dungeons. I mean, you mentioned the castles in persona five, um, very similar. Like you map out the dungeon as you move through it. So you have a mini map and you'll, you'll map it out okay. as you go. So you, you can always tell when you have visited an area before, cause you'll see it in the mini map. Um, you do have a sword attack as you're moving through and exploring, which will allow you to stun enemies before battle or, uh, to guarantee a first strike. Um, uh, but there are some enemies, they call them special enemies that are immune to your sword attack and are much more difficult to fight. So they, they suggest avoiding or using, um, your, your special abilities, which are, um, I forget what they're, they're not called sessions. They're, well, they do recommend using session attacks, but there's another one. There's another special, I think it, I think it is like a, I don't know. It's like a big flashy move and you have to build up a bar. Uh, but I can't remember, I can't remember what it's called, but, um, I can't remember either. Yeah, but it is, I, it, it's a big move. It's, it's like the ones you probably saw in the trailers where the characters are, are doing a big flashy animation and stuff like that. I mean, if you leave, uh, full sessions on, those are pretty flashy animations too. Uh, which we'll move over to combat for a bit because we've said a few words that might not make sense, uh, which are key one being sessions. Um, one of the big things about combat in this game is the sessions, which is where you learn skills that once a another character does a certain type of attack, and if the enemy is weak to it, you'll start a session where all characters, whether they're in the active party or not, will join into the attack. So I, you know, hopped back in and I did one where, you know, I added Itsuki did an attack and then eight, you know, seven other people right after him came in and smacked them. I mean, I was fighting low-level characters to begin with just so I could, you know, refresh myself on some of the details of it. And, you know, he was long dead long before I finished the attack, you know. but. Yeah. At a whole bunch, and that's where the new characters come in. In this, um, they aren't actual active party members, but they have special session skills that they can use to extend and refresh everyone essentially. 
So uh, Tiki, there's a character named Barry, and the leader of the agency, I forget her name off the top of my head, all get special session, session skills where they'll come in, join in, do a session attack, and that'll allow the session to keep going where all your other characters can join back in, because usually it's at most one attack per session. Yeah, the sessions come in really handy because it'll allow you to, yeah, as Eddie said, chain uh, together a bunch of attacks. That way you can take out a really tough enemy, you know, as long as you don't hit a attack they're weak or they're strong against. You can take a really tough enemy out in one attack with hitting the right weakness and getting the right session going. Yeah, and that may, that brings up a good point is that every enemy has like a list of stats underneath it when you're targeting it for an attack and you can kind of test um what it what it's weak against and then you you note that so in future session or future fights you'll know like okay this specific enemy is weak to like a cleave attack so that can you know set up a session and do a little bit more damage um i don't i don't believe there and again like uh it's probably because i did the tutorial months ago and I'm, i'm in chapter one now um I don't recall if there's like a sort of identify ability. Like, I think you just have to kind of like test it out. Um, does that ring any bells? Do you know if there's an identify? I'm pretty sure you just have to test it out. I mean, testing it out is the easiest way. There might be an identify ability. And once you've seen it on a type of enemy, it's on, you know, you have the knowledge for all of that one, you know, that same named enemy, at least. Um, I did not look through to see if there was an identify ability because like I said, I hopped in for one or two quick battles to refresh my mu- memory on how combat went. Yeah, you know, I don't think there is, uh, but it like combat is is fun, especially when you are able to like set up those sessions and it can go pretty quick. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I've I've really enjoyed it. You know, I've really enjoyed it. I found like because I was trying to get into the combat for the show tonight, um, I wasn't stunning you know, enemies and walking past them, I was actually stunning them and then going into combat and, 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 uh, progressing that way. Um, they are like randomly generated enemies in the sense that like you can see them on the map, you can interact with them before you go into combat, but like they do respawn, uh, as you move through the dungeon. Um, you know, it's never, I don't think it's ever empty. Like there's always enemies there. And, um, yeah, I believe it was similar in persona five, the, and also, like Persona 5, what you see in the overworld is not going to be the exact same as what you fight. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the other thing with the dungeons, too, and uh, again, the comparison to Persona 5 here as well is, like, every dungeon is kind of unique in that it has, like, its own, like like Eddie said, like, its style is based off of the character that you're trying to save. Um, and specifically in the dungeon I'm doing, it's got, like, a lot of... It's, well, it's very idle based. So there's like costumes. Uh, there's there's a big traversal element to like this these giant costumes that are sort of set up, and you have to like move through the sleeves and uh, to get to other points of the map. And you can kind of control, you know, how the sleeves are positioned of this like giant mannequin by like choosing putting a light over a specific uh, mannequin's pose. So like a lot of the dungeons are very unique, and they have like those setups specific to the character and yeah the the one i was hopping into was based on a tv studio oh, so you're cool. like on a set yeah 
Yeah, I really like the dungeons. I feel like uh, I feel like one of the criticisms was that the dungeons are, can get a little long in the tooth, like a, they can stick around a little longer than you want to. But um, so far, I've been I, again. I'm early on, and I, I plan to get like farther when we discuss story, obviously. Um, but I'll probably try and hop in and beat the game before we next talk to discuss the actual story of it. No yeah. promises, but I'll probably try. Yeah, well, I mean, we got about a month, so uh, looking forward to that. And obviously, combat and gameplay will come up again when we talk story. But I did just want to give a, a little overview there so that we could uh, we give people an idea of of uh, of the game. So, yeah, I mean, um, it, short and sweet. That's kind of what we're aiming for. But we'll definitely be discussing more when we return um, the, to the special discussion uh, for the week of November 21st. So Eddie and I are going to go back. Uh, I'm I'm glad that I played the game again because I I was really enjoying it so I I gotta capture that and and keep going uh, and we'll be discussing story like I don't know if we'll go like beginning middle end but uh, we'll definitely talk about the setup and and move through it and um yeah we'll see how that structure goes I mean if we both finish it maybe maybe we'll uh maybe we'll talk about the whole like yeah like I said beginning middle end but we'll decide that and. We'll share that update with everybody, but yeah, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Sharp FE, Encore, special discussions have begun, and we will be back uh, with another one in a couple episodes, so stay tuned. But that means we are done here for this week. Uh, you can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com slash fey. Email the show, fey at gamersinpodcast.com. You can check out the Fire Emblem channel in the Gamers in Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me at rmurphy, Eddie at Drellfear, and don't forget to follow at the Gamers in for show updates. Be sure to check out serenesforce.net, our go-to resource for Fire Emblem news and information. That's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week, and happy summoning. Mm-hmm.